We're going to take a look at uh, the letter of 1 Peter, Peter's first letter. We're going to look this morning at uh, a scripture passage from chapter 2, verses 9 through 17. This is what we read. Peter says, but you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves to the, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slave. Slow, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week in, in 1 Peter 1, we, we recognize that the, the basic call that Paul, Peter gives us as followers of Jesus Christ is to be holy, he says. Be holy. He said this in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 1. But just as he who called you is holy, just as he who saved you is holy, just as God is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And we saw that this was God's call through to his people through the Old Testament, Leviticus, Exodus, through the New Testament. We are called to be God's holy people. And, and we're going to think about that again this morning. That's going to be one of the themes for the next several weeks. One of the things we said last week that we have to throw in here, okay? We have to keep coming back to this time and time again because otherwise we, we get it wrong. But one of the things we said is that before God says be holy, God says you belong to me. I love you. You are mine. See, the biblical order is not be holy and then God will love you. No, what God says is I love you, therefore be holy. I forgive you, therefore don't live in the junk anymore. All right, I, it, it starts with God saying you are mine. And we get that in 1 Peter 2 again. Peter goes back and talks about how God's amazing love, is, how amazing God's love is for us. He says, but you are a chosen people. You have been chosen by God. Not because you're so great. We are not choice people. We're chosen people. You have been chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession. You are the apple of God's eye so that you can declare the praises. Again, it starts with God. And then it's uh, that we may now declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. God always says to us, first, you are mine. We are saved by grace, by grace, by grace. It is not what my hands have done. Our holiness doesn't save us at all. But God says to us, now that I've saved you, live in freedom. Live in freedom. Now, in chapter one, what we looked at last week, I kind of think about it this way. We think about being holy primarily, in a sense, in our relationship with God, right? Because it was be holy because I am holy. God has called us. He's holy. We want to be holy. We said we have to be holy because God is going to judge all that's unholy. We said we're holy because Jesus has redeemed us. We said we're holy because Jesus has changed us. 
And, and, and he's been talking about that and, and, and holiness that way. And in some ways, I think what he does now is he raises a really big question. And this is the question we're going to look at for the next three weeks, okay? Otherwise, we'd be here forever today. So we're going to do this over three weeks. And, and, and it's a question that, that Peter asks that I think all of us need to reflect on some. And it's, and it's this question, okay, how do we live as holy people in a holy and broken world? Okay, I mean, yes, I'm called to be holy because I believe, but how do I live that out in this world? How do I, how do I live as a holy person? Some people, again, we've talked about this before, have said, well, we, we, we do this by isolating ourselves, by withdrawing from everybody else, and we just create our own little culture here. And, and no, that's not what we do. Peter says we need to know two things. We need to know two things if we're going to live as holy people in the midst of a broken world. How do we relate to the world around us in our holiness? We need to know two things. First of all, we need to know where we fit in this world. We need to know who we are. We need to know our status. And and that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. And then we need to know, okay, given that's who we are, how do we relate to the world? How do we live? What do we do? Okay, so those two questions. We're going to start with that first one. And, and again, this is what Peter says to us here is something that I think I've known, but it's, it's kind of, for many of us, it's got to get from our heads to our hearts. But what is our status in this world? The, the term that I want to use for the next several weeks for us, and it's one that comes from Scripture, is that we are, we are resident aliens, okay? We are resident aliens, and, and I'm not thinking of little green men from outer space. I'm not talking about people who are resident aliens. That, that's a, a legal status in the United States. It's in the tax code. I looked last night. It's in the tax code. You can have the status of being a resident alien. And, and that's who Peter calls us to be. He says, dear friends, again, verse 11, I urge you as foreigners, those who don't, aren't full citizens, as foreigners and exiles. And the word that he uses, exiles, is kind of narrow. And I think probably it would be better translated, uh, another alternative is that word resident aliens, or those words resident aliens. You're foreigners. You're resident aliens. And that's who we are, okay? And, 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 and that's who God's people are, are called to be throughout Scripture, This is not just kind of Peter's strange thing, but he says for all of us, for all believers, one of the ways we look at ourselves is we are resident aliens. We are resident aliens. Well, look at what it means, but let me show you that it goes all the way back to Abraham. And in the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, it says this. It says, by faith, he, that is Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. That's resident alien. He made his home there, so he lived there, but it wasn't his own country. He was a stranger in a foreign country. He was a a resident alien. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He goes on to talk about all of Abraham's descendants, and he says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the thing promised. They only saw things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And that's who we're called to be. We are resident aliens. And I want you to try to get a feel for that, okay? I, I want to try to explore that a little bit and, and to say, what does it mean to be a resident alien? Okay, let's, let's talk about that. What is the status of a resident alien? And for some of us here, we have resident aliens in this church. We have some people who've been raised in Canada, they're Canadian citizens, but they're living here. In Mexico, but they're living here, and they're resident aliens. 
We have people who were resident aliens. Daniel and Felicia were, for a time, their status here with us was resident aliens. Now they have become full citizens, but they were resident aliens. For some of us, we have parents, grandparents, great-grandparents who were resident aliens, right? They were in that in-between status. And so try to imagine what that's like. Think about, again, we talked a lot about, in our culture, about immigration. Think about immigrants. And in a sense, what Peter says to us today is, you're, you're an immigrant, you're a resident alien. And it's like, okay, wow, that, that really does have an impact. So let me try to talk about what does it mean? What is somebody who's just in general a resident alien? Well, two things. One is, on the one hand, somebody who's a resident alien is more than a tourist. They're residents, right? They live there. A tourist comes for two weeks. Maybe you're a student and you stay for six months. But when you're a, a resident alien, you're, you're living there long term. You're there year after year after year. It, in some ways, it's where you expect to live for a long time, right? I mean, it's, and, and so resident aliens are, are residents. And, and so they have jobs. They pay taxes. They get connected, right? They learn the language. They, they get friendships with people in their new country. They, 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 they become a part of society in a good number of ways. Resident aliens are residents but they're not full citizens. There's aliens. They're, they're a bit strange. And, and, and they're strange in several different ways. Part of the strangeness, and, and again, you know people like this. Maybe you've been this. Maybe your grandparents were, or whatever it is, right? But, but they, they hold on to some of the old ways. They, 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 they you know, think of food, right? If, if, if you're from Korea, kimchi, I mean, that's, they, and, 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 or I, here's a story for you. I, I was out in Pasadena when I was in seminary and a professor there who had some Dutch background as well as I do, he and I were walking to class. It was his class. And so, but we're walking along, it's eight o'clock in the morning in Pasadena in December and it's 75 degrees. And I don't know why I don't live there today, but anyway, it was, we're walking along and he reaches into his pocket and honest, this is true, takes out a Queen Wilhelmina peppermint. And he says, hands it to me, and he says, food from the homeland. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? It was like that, right? If you're, when you're a, a resident alien, when you're, you have those things that remind you of that. It's, sometimes it's dress. Think of somebody who comes from India and maybe continues to wear a turban. But food and dress. But there are other things that we say, you know what? This is how we do this. Some Dutch people celebrate Sinterklaas. You say, they we're from Canada, so we put syrup on everything. I don't know what it is, but there are those old ways that we bring in. And then on the other side of that is sort of the rejection of some of the values and practices of the new culture. Right? Resident aliens say, you know, to their kids, I don't care if everybody in your class gets a cell phone at 13. It's not how we do this. I don't care if they start to date at 16. That's not how we do this. Because we reject some of those values, right? Every resident alien, every immigrant has to struggle with that to say, no, this I'm not going to buy into. This I'm not going to do. Uh, you know, I mean, think about it in, in terms of like even family dynamics. For some people, they move into this culture. And in our culture, you turn 18 and you, well, supposedly move out. My kids keep moving back in. But, you know, the kids move out. In some cultures, though, no, you just build another room on a house. And immigrants, those who are resident aliens, they have to decide, well, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this the old way or the new way? Are we going to reject this or are we going to keep this? And, and, and so there's kind of this awkwardness in some ways. And, and, and this is something that will be helpful for us to think about as 
this when we get to the Christian part of this, but resident aliens don't necessarily desire full citizenship. You know, it's not that everybody says, well, I'm, gonna, I'm here and I, I ultimately I want to become a citizen. No, I'm going to live here, I'm going to work here, but my heart, my identity is still in Canada. My identity, my citizenship is still in Germany. It's wherever it is. It's in Korea. It's where, you know, and, and, and so it can be kind of a, a you know, this in-between thing. Now, these last three, okay, these three things here, they have great potential to cause conflict. Again, think about this. You can see it. Maybe, again, you can have, you have family stories about this kind of stuff if immigration is recent enough. But, but these things can lead to conflict, sometimes within the community, right? Because some people in the community are saying, hey, you should stop wearing the turban things. It makes all of us look bad. Some people in the community are saying, hey, stop doing that. Stop. No, some people are saying, hey, you're giving in too much. You're losing the old ways too much. And, 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 and there's this struggle, and again, especially in generations, right? Of, of no, man, come on, I want to be more this. I want to be, I want to fit in more. No, we're not going to. It can lead to, to conflict within, but it can also lead to conflict with the culture around why do you wear that turban? What are you trying to hide? Why don't you join us for this? Why don't you have a big 4th of July party? What's up with you? And, and, and that one, especially think about when somebody says, and you probably think of if you know somebody, when somebody says, no, I'm here long term. I, I probably will die here, but I don't want to become a citizen. Isn't there at least a little part of you that kind of wants to say, well, we're not good enough for you? See, that's part of what was going on. We'll come back to that. But you see how that works? I mean, resident aliens have an interesting status. They're residents, but they're not full citizens. They have both those things going on. And so they're living with a foot in two different worlds. They're living with a foot in two different worlds. And now along comes Peter, and he says, if you're a Christian, guess what? You're a resident alien. Guess what? And, and, and I think, you know, it's like, yeah, if you're thinking about Christianity, let me tell you, if you are, there's going to be some awkwardness for the rest of your life because I'm going to be challenging you to, to straddle two worlds, to be a resident, but also to be an alien. Again, they're true for, for Christians as we are, we're more than tourists. We live here. And I am thankful for this country. Okay, please don't, I'm not at all we live here, we have jobs, we pay taxes, we learn the language, we do all of this stuff. And in fact, I think the Bible makes clear that, that we seek to bless the community in which we live even when we're in exile. This Jeremiah 29 verse 7 is a fascinating verse. And the people of God are in exile, they're in Babylon. And Jeremiah says this, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. God says that through Jeremiah. Seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon. Ask God to bless it. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And, and, and that's part of how we do what we do in this community, wherever we are. We pray for the, the city where we're resident aliens. We pray for the country where we're resident aliens. We want it to do well. We want it to be good. We, we do that. We're more than tourists. We're residents but we're aliens. We're not full citizens. And I put full citizens in there because I'm not calling you to, I have a full citizenship in the United States, so I'm not talking about that kind of, it's, we're not fully identified with this world. 
We don't just say, yep, this is who I am and this is how it goes and this is where I fit. No, we always pull a little bit back. We hold on to some of our old ways. I think of sexual ethics. Uh, Old-fashioned. No sex outside of marriage. No. We hold on to some of those ways. We sing. We worship. We pray. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're aliens. We're not like everybody else. We don't, we don't get our orders from this world. And we, direct, we reject some of the values and practices of this world, right? And of the culture in which we live. I don't think we always necessarily do real, real well at that. It's tough. But we say, you know what? It's not about power. We live in a world in the election, I talked an awful lot about power. Saying that's what's most important is who has the power. Who has the power? I want to suggest one of the things we think about as as Christians who are resident aliens. We say, I care about elections, but it's not my main deal, friends. Because yes, I'm a citizen, but ultimately my home is in heaven. Ultimately, that's the one. So I'm a good resident. I'm a good citizen, but I'm... And and I'm not going to play the power game. And I'm not going to buy into saying that the one with the most, who dies with the most toys wins. I'm not going to say that I'll only be happy when I get enough stuff. I'm not going to say that we have to stay in our own tribe. Whatever it is, but we reject some of those things. And, and, and here's one, you know, again, we don't necessarily desire full citizenship. We keep talking about going home. And just as with other resident aliens, as Christian resident aliens, those things can lead to conflict. Think about the conflict that it causes within the body of Christ. And think of if we started to, I I mean, this is, I think, really cool. If we started to say, hey, a lot of our discussions with each other don't need to be big fights as much as trying to figure out what do we do? Think of how many discussions there are, fights there are between Christians about... I think we got to draw a line here. No, I think we can do this. And I think it's, we're, we're getting a problem if we do this. And what if we said we're brothers and sisters in Christ humbly listening to each other and saying, no compromise, but we do want to be as good residents as we can be. <laughs> and trying to figure that out is not easy, friends. And, and we in the Christian community, just like immigrant communities, so I say it's so interesting to think about that. Just as they sometimes have those struggles, so do we. Now, again, we don't compromise but we try to figure it out and say, God, give us the wisdom to know how to be residents and aliens, <laughs> how to live in both of those. And it can also create a conflict with the world around us. When we say, you know, I pledge allegiance, but my pledge allegiance to the country is secondary. I first pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. Oh, we're not good enough for you? I mean, in Peter's day, that was a big deal. That was part of the reason they got persecuted because other people were like, oh, you think you're so much better. You're not going to get citizenship. You're not going to try to belong. You're not going to do what we do. Well, let me tell you, we don't like that, right? We don't, we don't necessarily like people who don't fit in. Were you judging us? And they weren't trying, but it just happened. But I want to say that's part of what happens when we're resident aliens. And, and that's why this has been really helpful for me to try to see, not just in my head, but to think about it and say, what if I really thought of myself as being an immigrant? to a degree, if you know what I mean here, of really, as a Christian, trying to live with a foot and saying, this is my challenge. I want to be a resident, and I'm thankful for the freedoms we have in this country, and I want to support those, and I want to bless the communities around us. But I also want to say, but my citizenship is in heaven. I belong to Jesus Christ. He is Lord. 
That's the most important thing. And, and so we have this strangeness to us. And, and we are resident aliens. And I think it has an impact on how we relate to the world if we think of ourselves that way. Because in general, resident aliens don't come into a culture. Josh and Libby aren't sitting here anymore. But you know, Josh and Libby aren't going to go to Czechoslovakia and say, you guys are all sick and wrong and weird. Let me tell you how to do this. They have some respect, right? They're guests. And in a sense, we look at our world around us, and part of it is saying, hey, I'm a bit of a guest here. I'm a resident alien. And, and, and it's fascinating, because when Peter talks, and we're going to turn now to that question of how do we live as resident aliens, when he talks about this, in some ways, he kind of, I mean, it's, it's interesting if we take it seriously, because what Peter says to his people is, just keep your heads down and get along for the most part. Don't be rabble-rousers. And, 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 and we're going to have to talk about that. We will. Don't worry about it and what that means because it's fascinating. But, but we're in a little different culture. But think about this. Peter is saying, you know, you're, you're resident aliens. You don't come in and play the power card. You don't come in and, and yell and scream because somebody stepped on your rights. Can you imagine if we as Christians understood that really? Now, again, we can talk about our rights and we can hold to our rights. But ultimately, my right is to be in Christ. And, and the human rights I have are for myself. I'm going to fight more for others than for my own. So that's why I say this is just, I think, really fruitful and challenging to think about. What does it mean? If I'm a resident alien, how do I then love the world around me? How do I relate? Peter is going to give us three things. Three things. I'm going to talk about two of them today and save one for next week. First one. We don't give in to sinful desires, he says. He says, don't do bad things. Dear friends, verse 11, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, as foreigners and resident aliens, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. We don't give in to those sinful desires. We don't do the wrong thing. We, we, we hold on to the old ways. We hold on the biblical truth. We follow those patterns. God's word is the truth. That's what gives us how we live. And so, again, we don't do bad things. And, and I could make a whole list, but th- I mean, just think about it. Things like you know, no sex outside of marriage, no stealing, no manipulating others, no abusing, no lying. Take the Ten Commandments. You know what God says, don't do these things. And part of our role as resident aliens is to say, you know what, we are going to do those. We're, gonna, we're not going to do those things, okay? We're going to obey God. And, and here's why. Again, part of it, last week we talked about it, and that's all still true, because God is holy, Right? We're holy because God is holy. But Peter's going to talk about a different reason here, an additional reason. He's going to talk because we don't want to give people reasons to dismiss us or to get rid of us. Peter's going to say, and I'll show it to you in a minute, but he's going to say, you want to silence the talk of ignorant, uh, the ignorant talk of foolish people. He says, even though they accuse you. You see, Peter knows that the Christians in Asia Minor, the people do his writing, the, everybody else was suspect of them. Everybody else was, why are you? You're weird, you're different, you don't fit in with all the rest of us. And Peter says, okay, because of that, just don't give them any, don't feed the fires. And, and I think about that for us as Christians. And, and say, friends... If we want to make a difference in this world, if we want to draw people to Christ, it starts with us living it out ourselves first. You know how it is. We do this, and it's wrong, but we do it. Others do it. The world does it. It says, you know what? Well, all those people, and whether it's an ethnic group or a 
whatever, a, a racial group, but they see two people do something and it's like, yeah, all those people, that's what they're like. They all steal. Those people, they all lie. Those Dutch people, they can, you know, pinch pennies, whatever it is. But, but you know, it's, it's, we make these broad, people do that about Christians. And so Peter says, friends, be holy. Don't give in to that. Because you don't want to give them, you don't want to give them reason to suspect us more. And I think it happens in our culture. I mean, how often don't you hear? And, I, and it breaks my heart and I repent. And I, 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 and again, we don't have to be perfect. We can't be. But, you know, all you Christians talk about sexual purity, but your sexual activities don't differ than anybody else's. You sit, your Christians talk about no abortions, but you have abortions as much as anybody else. You Christians talk about this. When we fail that, when we do, friends, we lose part of our witness. And again, ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit. It doesn't depend on us. But God wants to work through us. Again, think of that resident alien family. Some of you who have been through this know this. They say they're kids. You're going to have to be twice as good in high school. Because you're the weird one. And they're going to be watching. And so we don't give in to sinful desires. It makes sense, right? Timor, you know, if, we're, if we're resident aliens, we have to say, you know what? People are watching and we don't want to give them reason to dismiss us. We'll come back to that. The second thing we do is we do good, okay? Peter says, all right, you want to know how to get along, how to live in this world? You know, you, 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 you obey the laws of the land, more importantly, the laws of scripture. As best you can, you obey the laws of the land, but, and then you do good, you bless others. And he says this in the next, this, this goes on for like a chapter here, and he says this a bunch of times. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, even though they, they have these ideas about you as Christians that you're this and this and this, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter says, you know what? Just bless people and love them and serve them and confuse them <laughs> mess them up and have them say again I one as when we have people and, and, and it's there's something good about the way our culture is becoming less Christian what's good about it is is that then it becomes clearer we can show what Christianity really is and, and we're going to have opportunities as we run into people who have no Christian connections to mess them up so that they, they go, hold on, I thought all you Christians were this and this and this. But you don't fit those stereotypes. You don't fit that. Yeah. Because we do these good deeds, all right? Again, let me just, for it's by doing, verse 15, by God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. 2.20, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, that is commendable before God. 3 verse 13, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good, right? So, I mean, it's a biggie don't do bad, do good. I, I was thinking about what good do we do? What are some of the things that fall into this? I, I'm going to just touch on four. Again, just as I didn't mention everything that's bad, I'm not going to mention everything that's good, but let me just touch on four. We, we care for those in need. One of the things Christians have been noted for in a good way is that Christians are people who build hospitals, who show generosity, who reach out to others. That's part of why we're excited about the connection with Streams of Hope. We talked about it the last couple of weeks about they're building a medical center. Why? Because we care for those in need. We do good. We bless people. We reach out to people. We care about their physical health. And, and we do educational classes. We try to bless them. We care for those in need. We bless those who curse us. 
Peter says in chapter three again, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Can you imagine if we as Christians, that what we became known for? If your boss mistreats you tomorrow, what you do is you bring her a cup of coffee. If you're online and somebody mocks you, find a way to bless that person. If your neighbor is nasty to you, go cut his grass. We bless those who curse us. We follow Jesus and we do good and people go, this ain't adding up. We bring beauty into a broken world. I'm going to give one example here, and you can expand it to whatever. But I was thinking about this, and I thought of, again, a lot of you are into flowers, gardens. I'm not going to name specific names, but you bring beauty into the world. And, and some of you, I know, do that, and you do it in your backyard, and that's good. But if that's the case, then invite others to your backyard and bring beauty into their world. Some of you have made the deliberate choice to say, I'm going to plant my front yard with flowers even though I don't say, because I want my neighbors to be blessed every time they walk by the house. I want my neighbors to be blessed every time they, some of you do that here, take flowers. And I think it's, again, it's part of doing good because we're saying, you know what, we're not, we're aliens, we're not citizens, but yet we want the world, this world to be more beautiful. We want to bring some joy into it, some beautiful, some, some beauty into it, some aesthetic good, so flowers. So think about that, Right? To plant flowers in places just to bring joy to somebody and to do it in the name of Jesus. Do good, all right? We care for our neighbors, whether they're in need or not. We just, we're good neighbors. Do good to your neighbors. Be nice, especially those of you who live on my street. Be nice to your neighbors. Um, but no, right? Why? Again, we've touched on this a little bit, but this is so cool. That's why, again, this is such a, a good way for us to think about this. Why do we do this? We're resident aliens who do good and avoid bad. Why? Peter gives us three reasons, and there's kind of a progression here. He starts, and he says, well, to quiet those who would accuse Christians of being the problem. For it is by God's will, 1 Peter 2.15, it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Part of the reason that we bless those who curse us is to mess them up and to silence them. And to, again, you think of somebody, somebody in your workplace who comes from India, continues to wear a turban. You might start with some of those questions, but if for two years they're just genuinely nice and kind and serving, you start to go, hmm, right? That's what we want people to do with us as Christians, as resident aliens. We want to silence those who are, who are saying, oh, no, 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 that's good. It's, it's, you know what? It's not fair. People say unfair things about Christians all the time. And I think that one of the reasons we should need to think about this is because what if what we should do is not say, well, we're going to say you're no better and we're going to argue with you on Facebook. What if we just said, okay, well, let's just love that person and bless them. Whoa. We don't, again, you've never shut somebody up on Facebook by arguing with them. By blessing them. By serving them? Maybe. So to quiet those who would accuse Christians of being the problem, we want to have, not let that, again, we don't want to give reasons to people to dismiss us. 
to, to, to just not listen to us. Second, though, we want to create curiosity in people. First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, rever- revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Peter says, do good. And people say, why do you do this? Why do you bring people meals? Why do you plant flowers here when you spend more time in your backyard? Because I want to bring beauty here. I want to love you. Right? In Peter's view, we love, and then people say, tell me about that. Tell me where you have the hope to do this. So create curiosity, people, so that ultimately, third, so they'll come to Christ. Right? All right? So they come to Christ. Again, back to verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So that when Jesus Christ comes back, they're with us just praising Jesus. That they have become Christians, all right? And so we do this. And this is, again, this is Peter's plan. One of the main things we do and, and, and so on. So we do good. We, we don't give into sinful desires. We do good, all right? And the third one, we submit to authorities. And this is where I said, oh my goodness, we need a whole sermon on this, given the past year. What does this mean? I mean, Peter's, look at this, what he says. He says in 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every, the word there means every, human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority. And by the way, the emperor he's talking about is Nero, who killed Christians. Submit to the emperor. What is he talking about? Or to governors who sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. We submit to authorities, and, and, and we're not going to talk about that this week. Because it's just too important. We need the time, okay? You've endured enough. And so, but next week, and so pray for me, because I really think, what does it mean? We're in a different situation in terms of how much we can protest without getting in. Should we ever protest? How do we stand up against injustice? What does that mean? What does submission mean in a world like ours? How do we do that? Pray that I get some answers by next week, Sunday at 9 a.m. But no, right, okay, you understand that? So I want to just wrap it up here, okay? I want to wrap it up here, again, Think about it. We're resident aliens. Think of yourself in that way and see what it does to your gentleness and to your respect and to the way you love others and the way you don't demand so much, right? We are resident aliens. Three closing thoughts. First, this is not easy. It's just tough trying to figure out how to live in two worlds, isn't it? I mean, this is not easy. Second, we need each other. I need you to help me think about this. I need you to help me carry it out. To try to figure out how do we hold on to not compromising, but also being as open as we can to our neighbors. How do we live as residents who are aliens? We need each other to think about it, to talk about it. We need to be able to have people who disagree with us. This is why it's, it's, so, it's so dangerous when we start to fight and say, well, we can't even talk to each other anymore. I need to hear your voice. I might be wrong. And maybe just maybe you need to hear my voice because you might be wrong. It's not easy. We need each other. But friends, remember, 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 soon we will be home. Or more accurately, soon home will be here in its fullness. Soon home will be here in its fullness. And so we hang on. And as we do this, again, back to verse 9. Friends, know this. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession.
where we find the strength, the courage, the compassion to live as resident aliens is in finding ourselves in Jesus Christ, is knowing the goodness of God and of his love.